you're listening to Science Boobies, culturally insensitive quantum physics and space-time stuff. With your hosts, Jen and Brian, you can find us on scienceboobies.com. That's right, boobies. Hello and welcome to Science Boobies, the only podcast that promises boobies and delivers. I'm your co-host, Brian, and uh, this is also your co-host, Jen. Say hi, Jen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. And don't forget, you can get your uh, Science Boobies Gug t-shirts, Gay Universal, Gay Lord t-shirts um, from scienceboobies.com. Every cool person on earth is going to be wearing those shirts, so get yours now. Actually, it's a transcendental level of cool. There are several other coolness levels, like some people who aren't quite ready to transcend all of material reality. Like we'll make we'll make other shirts for them eventually when I get to them. Well, fine. But anyway, there's this one to start. This is the most extreme, epic, wonderful, transcendental. Like every other shirt we make will basically just be for people of lower echelons of self-esteem. We're starting at the top. So we are. Well, you have to. It's an entropy thing. If your shock tea is full, this is the shirt for you. <laughs> um, anyway, so you can check that out. Also, our other episodes are on scienceboobies.com. Um, we're going to actually first talk a little bit about... I don't even bother with those ones. Say again? I said the first ones, they're not as good. Like, we're just going to take off, so... No, this Probably. is, is going to... Don't worry. The, the first ones are classics. It's okay. Um... I want to actually delve into in, into your um, uh, professional past, um, not your personal life, but um, for instance, you know, as the listeners may or may not know, we're still getting to know each other. You know, we met online, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot I don't know about you. I mean, I I know you used to be famous for you know rejecting um, um, politi- politically correct intentional stretching, and I applaud you for that. And if any listeners want to hear about that story, it's in our first episode. Um, the Ottawa Yoga Gate scandal. Um, but um, what I want to find out from you, Jen, is like, okay, so are you a scientist? I studied physics, math in university. Okay. What did you get your degree in? Physics, math. Okay, so you have a degree in physics. Yep. Right. Okay, so, but you're not a physicist. No. Okay, but you know a lot about physics. Uh well, I know some stuff. Uh, some people would say I know, quote, unquote, nothing. Yeah. Um, but I guess I've I kind of got to. Those people. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. The problem so... is that I just already had an opinion when I started. So I was never able to, like, go along with the stuff I consider to be improper thinking. Did you have an opinion when you were um, delivered from the womb of your mother? At that very moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question. If Brian Green, noted physicist and TV personality, were to want to debate you, could you hold your own with him? Of course. No My only there. thing I'm not into is I can't just, I'm not going to go into the uh, technical particularities of mm-hmm. uh, science or of mathematical things that violate the measurement limit. So 
So I've put already on my blog why quantum mechanics and general relativity are incompatible. And a couple of the That's scientists... That's fine. I mean, I would choose quantum mechanics any day over general relativity because quantum mechanics provides for more, more mystery and more unknown. You agree? Well, it's, I, I think... Uh, honestly, uh, if you're going to limit the amount that you don't know, or if you're going to know as much as you possibly can know, you, you do need to invoke uh, quantum mechanics. I don't well, want to say on every step, but probably on most steps. And a failure to do that is why we, we can't get like that unified field theory. I want to know as much as I can, but I know that uh, the quantum world has mysteries and, and treasures that a thousand years from now are still going to remain undiscovered. And I guess that's what excites me. Um, ever since the slit experiment, ever since, um, you know, people discovered quarks and that, that nothing is too small, things get smaller and smaller and smaller, and suddenly at a certain level... My theory um, basically says there is no in. such thing as quarks. Sorry. Quantum physics is one part inspiration and two parts vodka. Line up those shots and let's save the universe. All right, so what's your problem with quarks? Hmm? They violate the measurement limit. Okay, you know what? I'm on to you, Jen. Uh, you want to seem smart, so whenever like, I, I mention something, you'll go, oh, that, that, that doesn't actually exist. It, it's not on a coordinate system, so it can't exist. That, that's kind How of what you sound like. do you justify the existence of a quark, then? Well, okay, so you're saying that all the scientists that believe quarks are real based on, on, on measurement and analysis are wrong. There have been several recent science experiments that have validated my theory and several news publications that have said the standard model has to be changed from a fundamental perspective. And the failure is the time reversal invariance, unfortunately. But it, until it does get changed, we have to work with what we have, right? Why would you need to complicate your life with quarks? Because they're cool. Because it lets me know that no matter how deep, how deep you dig, there's something else in there to look at, which means the world isn't, isn't as simple as three dimensions. It's not as simple as a solid plane. Uh, it's not as simple as a 90-degree corner. It, there's more out there than meets the eye. And I find that exciting and at the same time scary. For instance, I'll give you a good example. I mean, every atom in this universe has electrons spinning in and out of it, right? Every atom has an electron potential function is how oh, to look God. at it. They don't spin. Can't you just say, yes, it's got an electron? Why well, are you going to qualify everything? Okay, thank you. All right, and, and this electron orbits the, uh, the nucleus, right? <laughs> just it say exists, yes. It exists in what's called the maximal entropy state for that configuration space. All right, does it move? You know how a vibration move. is like something that sort of goes up and down? Yeah. It's not quite like that. But that qualifies as a movement. If I'm vibrating, I'm moving. So if an electron is vibrating, it's moving. There's energy behind Wait, so, that. So you're at the limit of what exists and what doesn't exist, like on the space, or sorry, it's on the mass, like mass limit boundary. Individual atom is on the mass limit boundary. Okay. So, so 
Sorry, what was the question? Oh. <laughs> My God, are you kidding me? Uh, all right. I was saying I get excited but a little scared because every, every particle in this universe, every electron, every atom, and anything smaller than the electrons and the atoms, they're all in motion or, excuse me, vibrating. Okay, they're in the maximal entropy state, which is neither still nor more motionless. Well, okay, if it's not still, that qualifies in my book as motion. So here's well, my... Well, it's also, it, on average, it, it remains in the same place. Right, it, it's fine, arguably fine. impossible to actually visualize that level of a quantum potential function. But it doesn't well, matter because it has other behavior that is a lot easier to visualize. Okay, how come all through school they show us an atom, they show it as um, a bunch of little balls tied together and then uh, huh. electrons orbiting around it? Well, that was the original model for it. And now that model has been crushed by your, by your um, clever perspective. <laughs> I, am not, I am not changing anything as regards atomic modeling per se. Okay. Because all the atoms were already discovered. I just sort of, you know how when you play pool, you like rearrange them? Yeah. Well, what gives you the right? What gives you the right? <laughs> what doesn't give me the right? My God. I think you just got aroused, Jen, when I said that, which is really scary. Well, I'm excited because it looks really cool. Like, I love it. I love the periodic table, especially the diagram. I'm going to get you a nice big poster of the periodic table. And I'm gonna I'm gonna scent it with some French perfume or something, and send it to you for Christmas. So I, I like can I can explain to you why quarks don't exist. Based okay. on okay, forget quarks for now. My yeah. point is, I was saying how cool it is that atoms and nuclei and electrons and protons are all in motion, quote unquote. <laughs> so. Every solid, like, plane, like the floor I'm walking on right now, yeah. isn't really a solid object. It's filled with countless moving particles. They have thermal energy. Energy associated to their temperature, that's always represented as an inner vibrational energy, but that doesn't actually represent physical movement. Vibration, you, but if you, have any, if you have any heat, you have to have movement because the only way you'd have it's no localized. movement what it's localized like it doesn't the, matter you know if when you're working. <laughs> god damn it all right correct me if i'm wrong but if you have no motion you have no heat and you're absolute zero anything above that you have motion you have heat right right okay so since i'm not sitting in an absolute zero room therefore i'm alive and all the floor panels i'm walking on are actually made of particles that are in motion. Yes, but that motion doesn't actually manifest on a physical level. It's not like you get home and the different tiles of your kitchen have shuffled around, right? No, but let's say I was put on a platform and there was a, a motor underneath to make the platform vibrate, <laughs> okay? That yeah. would mean the floor I'm standing on is technically moving and vibrating, but it's still standing in the same place. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Like. 
Yeah, that inner, inner vibration, exactly. Yeah, and then okay. that's, that's really hard to visualize, actually. Okay, well, I, I'm not having any trouble visualizing it, okay? So Yay. if you are, I'm sorry. But, so my question is, my ultimate question is that since you're so smart, maybe you can answer mm-hmm. this. If all particles are in motion, quote-unquote, or vibrating, okay. whatever, if every particle in the universe is doing this, right, mm-hmm. how long before that energy runs out? It can't. Okay. So, so let me stop you right there. Does that mean that there is limitless energy in every single individual particle of the universe? No. If it wasn't limitless, it would eventually slow down. Oh, every, every uh, atom, every individual waveform has its own, uh, I don't know how you would describe it. There are two forces, essentially, that operate in an atom, and that's the attraction of the mass and the repulsion of the... There's the attraction of the waveforms through the electric, the attraction through the gravity, sorry, I guess there's two forces, and then there's the self-repulsion of the electric, like the outer... that's great, because that all manifests as motion or wiggling or whatever. That's... State of balance between the proton and the new, uh, sorry, the proton and the electron waveform. That balance, the ratio of those two volumes, is larger than zero whenever those particles exist. So yeah, for for those particles, there will exist the motion as you're imagining it. There to be some potential mm-hmm. vibration that isn't necessarily linked to any physical displacement. All right. But it's still vibrating. That's Nevertheless, just like, um, just like uh, what's that guy? The um, um, uh, the guy that said the planets move, but um, Galileo. Um, they don't move. Wait, what did he say? That they uh, the planets don't he don't. The heliocentric model, I think. He said something along the lines of the planets are still, yet they move. Or something along. I'm totally butchering it. But that's basically what he said. He did that as as, as, as almost a, a way to couch his his um, his uh, confession or something that he was wrong. He couched it by saying, you know, the planets don't move, yet they do. And that's kind of what I'm saying. The particles move, but yet they don't. They're not moving away. Like this, the floor underneath me is going to be around tomorrow, but they're still vibrating. They're vibrating so. It's just, it's at such a microscopic quantum level that I don't feel it, but nevertheless, the motion, the vibrating, the wiggling is there. Is that accurate? That's a really good way to think about it. Thank the you. The way I explain it is in a four-force model. Well, in every force yeah. has, or four-action model, I guess every action is a little bit different, and sometimes more than one action applies at the same time. And the atom is a confluence of three actions. That's so very hard to see those things all at once but that's why you have the little picture of the periodic table sort of help you assimilate yeah. it right because it's it's an example of you can't really understand any part of that system without having at least a bird's eye view of the entire system okay so better sort Tell of understanding more. for modeling quantum systems now is going to be a lot easier for how to code it into computers for example uh, just because they'll now understand uh, more of the entro- entropy landscape for the the atom. I don't exactly know how their machines work, but 
could we ever have a conversation without you using the word entropy? <laughs> well, it's just really helpful for me. A maximum entropy state is just naturally what happens with time. But, so but, 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 okay. you said these particles are going to move forever. That's the why, that's why it's important to realize that there exist multiple maximal entropy states depending on your condition. This is my impersonation of Jen. Hi, I'm going to apply my coordinate system to my entropy and then roll that shit up and smoke it. Yeah. Okay, so you were saying, Jen, that the universe has unlimited energy. Is that, is that correct? <clears throat> Are you familiar with E equals MC squared? Uh, it's an incredibly overrated um, equation that I see uh, on T-shirts from time to time. Well, do you agree that there's infinite mass in the universe? Yes. Then there would have to be infinite energy as well because they're equal by E equals MC squared. I got you. I got you. I caught you because if there's unlimited energy, the entropy can never win. That's a good point. It actually depends on systems. Thank you. Thank you. That's one of the ones that I'm not sure if I've actually figured that one out because it does depend on a couple of things. I think it's, it's down to, is the universe truly infinite in size? Well, we have to assume yes. Well, if it, I mean, it's really hard because my research sort of indicates that I don't want to say the universe is an illusion, but oh, Jen, it may not exactly be exactly what we think it is. It is an illusion. It's not a simulation, I can tell you that. It is a hologram, but we'll we'll talk about it, that during another show. <laughs> Putting that aside, um, if the universe has unlimited energy based on the particles having unlimited energy, because they're going to be wiggling around forever. Okay. My my uh, my sub question or subsequent question would be: Could you, so that that would mean that you could take a rock, uh, maybe a pound weight of a rock, and if you extracted all the energy and energy potential in it, you could power everything in the planet for eons. Is that accurate? It's not accurate because you're not taking into account the accessibility of the energy. And that well, this, is, this, is, this is hypothetical, Jim. Remember, hypothetical. I'm big on hypotheticals. Let's say you <laughs> could extract the energy and energy potential in that rock. Could you, How, you power that? the Earth? Okay, okay, fine. I'll make it a little more practical for you. If, if you were to measure the energy and potential energy in that rock and be able to tally it all up and give, you, and give a number gigawatts, whatever, and then you compared how much energy the Earth will need in the next thousand years, could that number that the Earth needs be fulfilled by the amount of energy and energy potential that's measured in that, in that rock? <laughs> I don't think so. What do you mean? There's billions and billions of little particles in there that are all spinning and wiggling around. And Accessing energy on the macro scale has to do with electric potentials. Mm-hmm. And even though every atom has an inherent electric potential that keeps it from collapsing to a, to a null state or to a state where there's no motion, uh, the, yeah. that's not the same thing as an electric potential difference that exists on the macro scale or oh the, uh, the continuum between those scales. You are such a wet blanket when it comes to this stuff, sustainable energy. 
we could solve our sustainable energy problem if not for your, for your, um, um, uh, let me see, what's it, depressed view of energy potential, Jen. You gotta be a little. Well, it hasn't solved anything yet, and they've built CERN, which honestly offends me because they're they're basically. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. They're CERN offends you? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my God! What am I going to well, do with you, Jim? Why, you why are you building CERN when you could be building a, a trying to contain a fusion reaction? Well, they're, doing, out how to do that. they're doing that too. They're doing that too. Are they? Yes, they are. There's an experimental fusion reactor somewhere uh, that was able to hold its plasma for about nine seconds. Which, hey, you know what? It's progress. <laughs> nine seconds. Let's just say that if my plasma count was nine seconds I probably wouldn't want to be doing anything at CERN because really what are they what is the point of CERN what is it going to discover what is it going to add to anyone's life we discovered the Higgs field we validated the Higgs field and Higgs boson isn't that worth the money and time it took to build it I'm not going to answer that oh my god let me guess is it too standard model for you I don't even think that 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 I don't think any part of the Higgs boson formulation, I don't want to say that it doesn't make sense, but I, I don't really see the need for it. And you could easily explain it with my model. Let, let me guess. You could easily explain it with a coordinate system, right? If you place your coordinate, see, the thing is, I there's, knew there's it. a I knew it. I knew it. coordinate system. There's also an ideology. So it's all in how your coordinate system is placed relative to your ideology Okay. And uh, when you have the entropy ideology, it makes it a lot easier to actually understand on a time basis, on a right. configured on, on an evolution basis, literal evolution, uh, how things actually work. And they can make it a lot easier to understand what directions are viable for energy and which ones are not as viable. Something tells me that in each of our shows, we never actually solve anything. Well, if people called in with, you know, problems that they had in their personal lives, I'd solve them, but I guarantee you they wouldn't want the answers. So if they have problems with the, the relevance of their view of the Higgs field, you could solve that for them? Well, if they're like, this is my justification for having the Higgs field, all, all I know with the Higgs field is that it, it has a sombrero potential shape, which again just sounds like a, a, an entropy distribution configuration between a manifest and unmanifest realm. So I'm not, I'm not how, convinced that there's anything actually going on there. How just convenient. because I'm not convinced that I'm not convinced of a particle nature on the force transition. All right, all right. Let's let's fly about fifty thousand feet here, Jen. Because you're in the weeds again, at least with me, and I'm a little confused here. So let's fly up nice and high above the clouds. Okay. Okay. And we're looking down, looking down on matter, and we're looking down on particles, okay? And they're all moving. They're all wiggling around, okay? And they're all popping in and out of existence. Now, what do you think of that? That's how we often look at the notions in quantum mechanics, things being both existing and not existing at the same time. Okay. When, it pop, when a particle pops out of existence, where does it go? Uh, well, it kind of goes between being more existing and less existing. So as you're you go towards the more existing, yeah. think about it like how you're thinking it in your mind when you have a particular thought versus when you're just sitting there thinking nothing. Okay. You're kind of narrowing your 
taking information from mm-hmm. the field, which means that it's going towards the collapsed state because as it collapses, the information is leaving it. It's, it's collapsing to one of its eigenstates and the information is held so in you're that saying, state. So you're saying the particle is going into a Bardo state of some kind? The particle is, is able to oscillate between both of those uh, different more expansive and more contracted. Although it can not actually reach the extrema, all behavior is sort of explained on that continuum between being more waveform narrowing and less waveform narrowing. You can think of it as like a liquid. This is, a, this is not a perfect model, but a liquid traveling through a tube. If the tube got smaller, then bigger again. So you're saying that the particles that disappear and reappear have eternal life, so to speak. They have the, the power of resurrection. Well, I don't accurate? know if they disappear and reappear uh, or, or if, yeah, I don't know that things oscillate quite in and out of existence. They, they oscillate between uh, degrees That's of manifestation. On all the documentaries that I've watched on physics, and I've watched a lot of them, uh, it's because people definitely... don't understand how to describe what's actually happening. Well, they're saying that these particles, and there was an experiment where some scientists put two thin pieces neutrinos? of... Oscillating neutrinos? What? Oscillating neutrinos? I don't know. Let me, let me describe it to you. Tell me what it is. So these scientists put these two metal plates within like a, a few um, nano inches of each other, like really, really tight together. And they wanted to see if there were particles moving between them that would push the panels apart, and they did. So their reasoning was there's always particles moving, popping in and out of existence that weren't there before that caused the force to push those two plates apart. So if they're popping into existence, where did they come from? Is it another dimension, a higher plane of existence? Where can things come in and out of existence um, on a zero-point energy? Yeah. Well, if you imagine a, a boundary, which would be like the surface of a lake between where we exist and elsewhere, mm-hmm. you can think of that boundary. Is it, a, is it a solid boundary or is it a porous boundary? Solid. It would seem that it would be solid, but if things can oscillate in and out of existence, and I am, by the way, not saying that they can because I don't agree that they can, then okay. they could potentially be on this boundary, uh, this boundary between real, real and, and unreal. Just the problem with that is that as soon as you get into something that's qualifiably unreal or yeah. it can lead to contradictions in the theory. So you really want to make sure that the theory obeys all your conservation laws and is self-consistent. It so doesn't things- have to. But, it, but what if something doesn't obey the, the, the laws of conservation of energy? What if they, they transcend those rules? There are times where the law of conservation, in fact, the law of conservation of mass can be violated. Every conservation law is not truly a conservation law because there's always a state where, like, there's an apex, usually breakdown point, like gravity, for example. Is gravity always attractive? Well, I'm not sure. It is. And if you want to define it one way, you can say it is always attractive, but there's also a mechanism to decay gravity because things do fall apart spontaneously. So that it can't always be, for example, just things falling together perpetually. That There does come a limit where gravity can no longer be any more grave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, all right, so I have to keep us on point here because okay. the listeners really want to know this. So is there infinite energy in a particle? 
No, there's E equals MC squared. It's the amount of energy that's proportional to the mass of that entity. So that would mean that after a certain length of time, an electron would stop spinning. It would just, it would just putter out. Is that true? No, the, the maximal entropy state is a state that's non-stationary. Non so that means it's going to keep wiggling around and moving. Move, movement is not defined on that scale. So you it's, cannot it's like move vibrating. something, Jen, you cannot move something without energy. True? Depends how you define energy. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's like I'm talking to Bill Clinton here. Um, okay, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. You, you know, as long as, as long as your definition of movement is loose enough. It, it does a lot. There's a, there are some issues with the terminology of different ideas in, uh, in physics that can be confusing. Would you say that there is an incredibly good chance that there is a tremendous amount of untapped energy potential in the simplest of particles, like a rock or a stone? It depends what you want to use the energy for. Uh, I want to use it to power a turbine and create electricity. No. The closest you could get would be some type of gigantic man-made structure that was powered by people walking on it. It would probably look a lot like an elliptical machine, but people would actually climb into it. No, and you no, could no, no. Make no, giant no. gears turn, and you could eventually transfer the torque to a large spinning magnet. The only issue is... Totally... Totally People not. not screwed up by the spinning magnet by being in Totally. Oh my God, Jen. Totally not the answer I was looking for. Totally not what I'm talking about. The energy in a rock. A rock has billions of particles, all vibrating for eternity. It's not accessible. That requires the, the energy. It's not accessible energy, and that has to do. But with nevertheless, it's still there, right? It it, it exists. It, it's in the it real exists, world. It exists, but it's not accessible, so it might as well not exist if you can't access it. It's like if you have a vault with a million dollars in it and nobody in the world knows the combination, do you care that there's a million dollars in it? Okay. If you start dating a guy and he moves to <laughs> Bangladesh, listen, if you start dating a guy and he moves to Bangladesh and okay. you can't afford to visit him, does he cease existing? <laughs> no, he's in Bangladesh. You could conceivably buy a ticket and go visit him or he could buy a ticket and fly back. So even if right, and are you going to have any like? Let's say you want to bring it to the bank. You want to say, okay, I'm going to bring you this this safe full of money. Here's my safe full of money. It's unopenable, but trust me, there's a million dollars in there. And can I get? No, but it? you can verify the energy with measurement. You can measure the energy. You may not be able to access it like you're saying, but you can at least measure it. And if you can measure it, then you know it exists, and then it's real. And then access it's real, it's just a matter it's not of time. Accessible. But they, it's not accessible to us in 2016, human beings on Earth. It might be accessible to humans or some other humanoid-type life form 10,000 years from now. Well, entropy applies everywhere. Fuck and the me, elements entropy. on oh Earth God. here are going to be the exact same as the elements everywhere else because the shape of the periodic table is independent of pretty much it, the only thing it depends on is, like, the dimensions of space-time, and I can't see there being a universe that had different space-time cardinality than here. All right, all right. That's just basing it off of special relativity. You are creating the most boring universe. Okay, Jen? It's not boring because once you can get past the physical stuff, you can understand the metaphysical stuff 
a lot more easily and it's a lot less dangerous to get into the metaphysical realms if you can have a strong, at least as my opinion, if you have a strong background in physical stuff, you, you won't be as freaked out by the metaphysical stuff. I want to jump right to the metaphysical stuff, honestly. Well, I think that's where we should start. The metaphysical stuff is all consequent to the quantum mind hypothesis. All right. That, that, that's basically you have to accept the quantum mind hypothesis, and then from there we can talk about stuff like ghosts. We can talk about, you know, basically any type of, I don't know, I don't like the word metaphysical, but it, because in word. my opinion that those effects are physical. They are able to be explained through physical potential functions, even though they may not be measurable. So, okay. again, this idea with the rock, the rock's energy is not measurable, maybe not directly. No, because you don't know how to measure it. doesn't mean it's not measurable. Well, you can measure the, the energy of a rock, but you can't access the energy of a rock. Uh, right? Okay, so one second. Wait, wait, Jen, 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 Jen. So one second you're saying you can't measure it. Two seconds later you're saying you can measure it. I'm, I'm beginning to think you're just throwing, you know, facts and figures out there, you know, to fool me because I'm not a scientist like you. Well, those, those statements are both true just depending on the context. So, yes, you can measure the energy of a rock, but no, you can't transform that energy into useful energy to do work. Because there's a difference between the energy that's available to do work and the, the energy that something contains by virtue of its mass. You know, you, you know what you just described? This is what you just described. You described a kid going into a liquor store and bringing a, a beer to the counter and the guy behind the counter going, are you over 21? And the kid going, I'm under 21 and I'm over 21. That, that's exactly what you just described. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's all to do with entropy. Like... Oh, fuck me. Will you stop using that word? It's not like candy. You can't just pass it out like it's Halloween. <laughs> Entropy is the state of disorderedness. So think of the, the gasoline that we have on, uh, on Earth. We can access that and we can burn it and we can drive around in trucks. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's amassed a huge amount of energetic potential from the sun. And the sun combined with the water on Earth acts as an energetic vortex. Uh, it's like a fuel source of, of energy on Earth. So that implies that the energetic state of, those, of that fuel is very high, so you can throw that in a car and get in, work out of it. We can only get work out of things that are at a higher order level or lower entropy level. So okay. the, I don't know, where is... do you want to use for the inverse of entropy? Um... I don't know. Growth. I don't like neg entropy because it just sounds so, just sounds so lame. How about growth potential? <laughs> it's hard. To, it's it's like hard to put a word on exactly what it is. It's like what is the official opposite of entropy? Like sun, the sun energy is just getting shoved into the molecules, and there's nowhere for it to escape really because the water traps everything on Earth. So All there's right. there's only ways for the system to reform to digest that solar energy more effectively. So one way we do that is we, you know, we burn fossil fuels. It's a very effective digestion of, of that, for, for example. Jen, Jen, I have, I have a question for you. Yes? Do you, do you ever just throw out science-y words to confuse me? I'm sorry if I'm confusing you. It's just you have to start from the right framework in order to understand everything else. Like, okay. I, the, the periodic is about different forces acting together, and that's why it's hard to see the periodic table if you still subscribe to the standard model, which has the strong and the weak nuclear force, and that stuff's all in there. Basically, I, I think it's just there to, to confuse people and make them not want to study science because they don't. Oh my god! Because I think they actually do know this stuff, and they just don't want anybody to access this knowledge. 
And she's a conspiracy theorist now. Oh, my God. If Why like would the, there be so much of an effort to take people off the path of discovering this? Jen, if I you mean, like you have to, right. even if you don't understand the periodic table, the picture is pretty cool. If, the, if you like the periodic table so much, why don't you marry it? <laughs> hmm? <laughs> That's a great idea. It is. All right, so I, I hate to beat a dead, dead horse, but okay. So you're still going to stick with your stubborn um, viewpoint that there is not an infinite amount of energy in a rock. There's not? and <laughs> Well, I guess it depends how you're spelling a rock. Um, <sighs> but really, The particles like, will vibrate forever. They cannot vibrate without energy. There can be no movement without heat being generated. That's energy. They're moving forever. There's heat generated forever. That can be harnessed as electricity. We don't know how to access it, but it's there. Well, we know so, how to access heat. We know how to access energy as electricity. No, but we don't know how to access the unlimited energy potential from a rock. But it's there. It and it's not we, there. Oh, God, you just said it was there. It's like two seconds. We can, only act, we can only access accessible potentials. That's what, I, that's what the rules are. Oh, my just God. Parsing words. You can only access accessible things. <laughs> ah, okay. It just means we don't know how to access it yet. Would you agree that we do not know how to access the energy I potential of a rock? I would argue that it is also physically impossible to access. Yeah, today by you, by Jen, by Jen Sharp, you cannot access that rock. But maybe, um, you know, Hansel Yogananda knows how to, or maybe he will 10 years from now. So we, don't, we don't know that. We do know that energy must be uh, taken from a system in order. It all comes down to information at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Rather than space and time, it's entropy and information. Entropy will always increase, which means the disorder will always increase. However, when you have a source of energy, it causes yeah. the reverse effect. So we are the, only, we are the result of the sun, earth, water, moon altogether. So we have grown up out of the only physical evidence that contradicts, not that contradicts, but that appears to contradict the flow of the universe. We experience the universe in arguably diametrically opposed nature of it. All right, all right. So, of course, it's going to be confusing at first. Mm -hmm. Physically speaking, we can draw energy from things that exist at a higher energy level only if those things are coherent we can only access coherent potentials. The okay. potential of the rock is accessible by our quantum mind, but the energy in the rock is not accessible by any means. That we know there, of. There, you'd have to put more energy into it than you would get out. So oh, the whole that's idea a cop out. That's using, a cop out. The whole idea, well, it's not a cop out. It's the reason why it's not worth doing unless you're looking at containing fusion, which is going to give you more energy out than in because you're talking about the energy created when uh, nuclei fuse. That -hmm. would be a good way. Also, there's natural radioactive, naturally radioactive products, which have their, you know, their issues, but they, they do offer a source of, a source of heat to, to make those magnets spin, as you were mentioning earlier. In terms well, of getting energy from a rock, it's it's a nice idea to think that you could just access all the energy of, of the world, but the entropy does come into it. We can only draw energy from things that exist at higher potentials. Entropy potentials. And entropy potentials are not just physical, massive potentials. that They have to do with how the system is organized. So the gasoline is 
organized one way. The rock is organized a different way. It's at a much lower level of potential. All right, all right. So what's in what's in the rock? <laughs> Unle- heavy, billions of particles. Right? Billions of particles. Well, heavier heavier elements, right? It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It does matter because it comes down to the periodic table. Those oh quantum my God. Periodic table again, right? Yeah, so the circular periodic table, when you look at all the different shapes, a rock is going to have more of those states filled in because it's going to be representing a heavier element further down the line. So maybe like well, halfway up. Well, those elements can be transmuted. They can, they can be... They can be they can be affected in different ways, but in order to change an element, you need to get down to the atomic level, which involves unseating that base entropy distribution, which is the maximal like it is the most attractive entropy distribution because it occurs on every level of magnification. It doesn't just occur on the micro scale; it occurs also on the macro scale. So, but can't any quite that potential? But can't any element be alchemically transferred uh, or transformed into another element? There would be a mechanism to do it for some cases, but it wouldn't be something. It would be something that would be so precise that the technology doesn't, and possibly couldn't exist. Okay. It's not impossible. The laws of physics. It just may be technically impossible. To our listeners, Jen is officially the Debbie Downer of the quantum physics world. I told you that in a message. I said I really don't want to be depressing. Uh, to me, it's really happy because it kind of answers all my questions about space-time and, and uncertainty mm-hmm. and, you know, all the problems I have with the standard model and how the, to me, the standard model is just confusing. I just like things to be clear. All right, all right, what, all right. What has work done for you lately, other than what just seems like... done for me lately? Is that what you said? Yeah. Well, it, it's done a lot. It, 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 it expands my imagination. It makes me wonder, you know? Well, I can tell you that it violates causality. Oh, my God. Okay, you know what? We're going to stop right there before I get emotional. Um, I'm going to go. You can go power your world with your with your uh, nuclear power plant or your coal-fired power plant. I'm going to take my rock, and I'm going to plug in a negative uh, wire and a positive wire, and I'm going to power my universe, okay? That's what I'm going to do. Can we please put, my my guru did this hilarious article where he used a picture of me. Can we please put it in the comments? Because it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. You can add it later. So, Um, Okay, so we're going to wrap the show up. Um, Thanks to Jen, uh, the armchair um, psychic or uh, physics uh, major um, uh, slash um, folk scientist. You're a folk scientist. That's what you are. Um, this is really cool. You're a folk scientist. Um, Jen and Brian, that's me and that's Jen. Um, thank you for listening to Science Boobies. Uh, don't forget to check us out on scienceboobies.com. Get your uh, Gay Universal Gaylord t-shirts and, and promote the Science Boobies website and podcast by proudly wearing that t-shirt wherever you go. Um, do you have any, uh, any parting uh, words of wisdom for us, Jen? I hope you guys enjoy the new periodic table and all the stuff we can discuss. Um, I, I'm sorry if this episode was a little bit spaced out and drawn out. It's it's just really hard to explain, and I've started that out on, on the blog. And 
the book will hopefully tie everything together. It just takes a couple times to kind of read it over and really get used to the framework. And if you've already studied science, it's actually somewhat limiting because you kind of get bogged down in dog dogmatism. But if you have an open mind, it's really not that hard to understand because all the words are are they're words we already know as much as possible and as little formulas as possible. Okay, so Hope this is the book. It. This is your book that that I was reviewing a few months ago, right? Yeah. Okay, that, that was proofreading or whatever. So we're going to get well, that book I'll out eventually. Draft. I'm going to try to redo it and make it better. All right, all right. So you've got a book coming out. It's going to explain a lot to people like you, people like me. I don't know if it's going to explain anything. Hopefully there will be a lot of nice little uh, thought bubbles on each page to translate to English. But that's, that's for another show. All right, guys, um, thanks for listening. And uh, check us out on sciencebubies.com. Um, we're out of here. Bye. Bye. This podcast is hosted by Jen and Brian and was recorded using the internet, which is a series of tubes. Copyright 2016 Intentional Sharfing Media Cartel. Music by Bent Sound. Listen to more episodes on sciencespoobies.com. Yes, I said boobies. Goodbye. Now go home and read a book before your brain dies of atrophy.